0: It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. She's Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz, and holy cow, Sarah, I can't believe we're here. I mean, I, I, the number of times I've thought, nah, it's not going to happen. Nah, it's not going to happen. And now, what do we get tonight? We get Chiefs, Texans, the kickoff to the season. I am beyond pumped for what we're going to get to watch.
1: I'm just amazed it's here, and I'm, I'm feeling very thankful. I'm trying to do the thing which I so rarely can do, which is compartmentalize my fears, my worries, my concerns about everything that's happened in 2020 and whether the season will go on as planned and everything else and just focus on how lucky I feel and how unlikely it seemed several months ago that we would even get to enjoy a Thursday night football NFL season opener, and I am riding that high, and Fitz... I know you already said you're irrationally excited. Mm-hmm. I know you got the tingles. Mm-hmm. I know you're probably rocking full Raiders gear, even though they're not playing today. But I still want to make true. you feel even a little more excited, and I know one way to do that, and that is by playing this.
2: Oh, Sarah. The autumn Take wind it in. is a pirate. Take it in. Oh. Blustering in from sea... With a rollicking
0: song, he sweeps along swaggering voice. Can I be honest with you, Sarah? It's so good. Face it's so good. If face is never If I didn't shave my arms to let my tattoos show off, you would see the hair standing up. I've got all of the goosebumps that could possibly have... Like, I, I the, the level for me, I think no preseason and everything, like, I just wasn't there, and now all of a sudden it just is... It, it's hit me, and now I, I have to accept the fact that no my...
1: foreplay. My there beloved Raiders no are... No foreplay. I mean, We're just diving in.
0: Well, you know what? I'm going to take that approach more often, because I am this excited for... Uh, the, what can so I, sorry, Sonny. I'm just saying, I am looking at this at this point like the Raiders are gonna make the playoffs. You just played and not and win. That means the Raiders are headed to the playoffs. My entire year is gonna be so out of control the rest of like twenty twenty just went from really weird to really amazing all of a sudden just because of what you just did.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about it. I- I'm not really sure what to expect. There's a whole lot of question marks, and we're going to get to some of those throughout the show, fits, because we've got new officials, right, with many officials opting out. We've got some teams that were very much affected by the opt-outs and others that are going to probably enjoy the fruits of continuity and bringing back a lot of familiar faces. There's the expectations that we always have for our teams that are soon to be let down, and there's the inevitability that what we expect to happen Is far too easy. It had happened so rarely. And I was listening to you, by the way, team player today, working on a completely different part of your job. And you get the last second call. Oh, my gosh, Max Kellerman's technology isn't working. Like run into the room and start hosting a show you've done no prep for. And you crushed it. But I did have one little thing to bring up to you. And that was when you were asked who's better. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, I agree with you. I also consider Patrick Mahomes the best player in the NFL right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he were to win another MVP. But you doubled down and you unnecessarily added he was going to win an MVP again as he raised another Super Bowl trophy as the Chiefs won again. And for that, I must just caution you, Fitz. Sometimes those big, easy takes, those bold takes, those obvious things are the most deadly, especially this early. Like, to proclaim unnecessarily and without being demanded to pick a Super Bowl champion and to go running it back for the Chiefs, I'm just not on board with you.
0: Yeah, the Chiefs are going to win it all. The Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. And I, you know what? If I'm wrong, I am going to be so happy. Like, I've never been happier about being wrong as a Raiders fan. And you are, by the way, right. I'm wearing a absolutely spectacular Bo Jackson Techmobile Raiders shirt today. Nice. So, uh, yes. And and I did look at my closet today and say, okay, how, what Raiders shirt am I going to wear every day until Sunday? That's how sad my life is. But I will say this. Keyshawn Johnson, ESPN host on Keyshawn J. Uh, J. Will and Zubin. Uh, had, he agrees with you. This is what he said this morning. I thought. I pressed the little button, but nothing's making any sound. Bro. We'll try it again. This is what he said <laughs> this morning. <laughs> Still no sound coming. Damn Super Bowl. Oh. To, to think that
3: because they went to an AFC championship game and they lost, and then they go back and they win a Super Bowl, that all of a sudden they just getting ready to just run them in the ground. Those other teams in the NFL are not
2: sleepwalking.
3: There's another team... In Buffalo, that's getting better. There's another team in New England. There's another team in Pittsburgh that just got their quarterback back in Ben Roethlisberger. So there's a team in Baltimore, with the MVP, by the way, who's only going to get better, and then there's a host of other teams in the NFC. I get it. I understand what Stephen A says. I understand. Dan Olowski said, I think he said six championships in ten years. Well,
2: that's crazy. That's absurd.
3: You got (laughs) to
0: just let it play out. Don't, because it takes a lot. You know what I hear right there, Sarah? I hear Keyshawn <laughs> reminding everybody he didn't repeat as a Super Bowl champion. Wow. Oh, I'm kidding, Keyshawn. Wow, personal he's, shots. He's far, far bigger and better than I am it's at scarier, most. I should yeah. not do that. Uh, <laughs> no, this isn't about the fact that everybody else isn't very good. This, to me, is just about 20 out of 22 returning starters, a coaching staff that's still intact, and a year where continuity matters. And I was just bombarded with practice videos of Patrick Mahomes doing behind-the-back passes during practice <laughs> just to brush up on that. So how am I supposed to have any hope left? I, I mean, the Chiefs no. are just better. They're more talented, and they bring everybody back.
1: I completely agree with you. If I were given the choice of any team to select to win, I would pick the Chiefs because of continuity, because we haven't seen anyone else, because it is the wisest choice to choose the best player who gets to keep his team and his coordinators and his weapons and everything else. That being said, you weren't asked to pick one. You could have chosen the field. And if you were giving me One team or the field. I'm still taking the field because it's the NFL. And I was thinking back as everyone across the radio landscape is giving their predictions right now. By the way, we're going to do ours tomorrow. A foolhardy exercise for people who have not watched a single snap of any of these teams. We're going to do it. And I was thinking about the spreadsheet that we put together. And there were a couple go-tos that almost everyone of Spain and company got right. And then there were just wild swings and misses. And the, the reason that I do caution for Chiefs fans or anybody else... Continuity will absolutely matter, but we also have no idea what's coming this year, Fitz. I mean, no clue what's coming, how many interruptions there might be, health and safety issues, Uh, the officiating, as I mentioned, protests. What if something else happens in our country and there's a team that doesn't want to show up for a game? I mean, there's any number of things that we've already seen happen in 2020 that I was like, yeah, I don't think that exists. Oh, Murder Hornet's perfect. right? <laughs> that, that I'm not going to presume to know what's coming down the pike, and I'm certainly not going to presume it's going to go as expected, which would be the Chiefs winning again.
0: If the Chiefs wanted to take one of the two times that they play the Raiders this year and use that as an opportunity to not play, <laughs> I would be perfectly okay with that. You're right, though, about all of that. I mean, realistically, uh, injury and, and everything else that could be uh, impactful to the season. Uh, for me, what I to to do when I make any prediction, uh, which you know I'm very bad at, what I try to do is apply some level of consistency across the board. Benefit of the doubt everywhere. If I apply benefit of the doubt to everybody in the NFL and say, okay, everybody on every roster is just going to have the best time ever or the worst time ever, but they're all going to do it in the same way. The Chiefs are the best team in the league. And that's why it's easy for me to pick them. I'm not usually a person that believes in picking a returning champion because we know how difficult that is week in or year in and year out in the NFL. But Sarah, I think this might be the year that the Chiefs make it look easy. I think this is the year that the Chiefs are oh just going to absolutely run roughshod roughshops. You're through setting the league. up
1: our producer, Stosh, who is a fine, good man and the father of 11 teen for such disappointment, and I'm concerned. I don't want you to build them up to the point where you've just made it sound like the Chiefs are going to power through, to Keyshawn's point, an entire bunch of teams that haven't just been taking a nap. They've all been doing their best to try to be as good as the Chiefs are.
0: Yeah, well, I'm also doing my best to learn how to dunk, and I, I can't get up on a 10-foot <laughs> rim. I'm just saying, they can do all they want. It's not going to help. All right, uh, the weekend starts we today. we clipped
1: all of this off. This is going to be great <laughs> later in the season.
0: I'm going to regret every ounce of this. The weekend starts today. is brought to you by DraftKings America's top-rated Daily Fantasy app. Okay, we just told you what I think I know going into the season. Obviously, we'll see how that plays out. But there's a lot we don't know about what's going to happen over the course of the weekend, particularly with week one in the NFL and the way it's going to be handled by teams, the league, and everybody watching it with social justice and the statements teams want to make. But we have gotten one indication from one team it's powerful. You'll hear it next. Bain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Now they'll play Colin Kaepernick taking a knee with seven on his back over
2: and over again. Maybe had we all listened to him then, we wouldn't have to replay a knee taking the life of George Floyd or seven shots to the back of Jacob Blake. To be clear, we believe that all lives matter, but all lives can't matter until black lives matter.
0: Powerful words from Ryan Clark Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and SiriusXM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And Sarah, one of the biggest things that we don't know going into tonight's game and going into Week One is how every team and every fan base, every owner, everybody around the NFL is going to handle one of the bigger issues in sports that's not going anywhere. It's athletes using their voice. For social justice and uh, speaking out about racial inequity and, and what needs to be done and how to fix some of the problems in America. And it's not going to go anywhere. The conversations are going to be there. So one of the things that we'll have all eyes on, not just tonight, but through the course of the weekend, is how teams and players and fans all embrace this moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were so excited to talk about this Chiefs-Texans game, to talk about this weekend and what our expectations are for our team. And we sort of, because the NFL has been in its own universe, we haven't had a lot of insight in practices. There haven't been preseason games. We've been so focused on the social justice initiatives in other places that we've kind of overlooked that they are uh, powerful Athletes with agency and voices and that the NFL is one of the places where this discussion started. Now, there's way history it, it, all all across the board. WNBA has been on the forefront of a ton of stuff. But Colin Kaepernick himself and the kneeling and the anthem, all of that started in the NFL. And years later, there has been not much progress. And what we're seeing already from one team is a scoffing at what the NFL is offering up, at least what we know so far, which is to play our national anthem and to play the black national anthem lift up every voice and sing have end racism in one end zone and all of us are in this together or something else like that in the other end like write these statements these these nice things that ultimately a lot of teams are going to say aren't enough and it seems like the dolphins have made a very strong statement right off the bat
0: well you mentioned it and i uh, we won't believe i will tell everybody go check out ryan clark's uh, twitter page There's more to the video, or more to the audio that we just played that's really powerful from Ryan, but he's not alone. You mentioned it. The Miami Dolphins uh, players came together and put out a video that Jay Will, the co host of uh, The Morning Show, has tweeted out. And it just hit all of us, what, maybe 30 minutes ago? This is breaking, and this is huge. We're not going to edit any of it. I want you to hear it in its entirety so you can hear the message the Dolphins players are giving you today on the first day of the NFL season and only days before their first game.
3: Two anthems. Do we kneel? Do we stand? Just right our wrongs. We wouldn't need two songs. Authentic? Is it authentic? Is it authentic? That's the mystery. Or is it? Is it? Is it authentic? That's the mystery. Or is it just another symbolic victory? Now there's two anthems. Do we kneel? Do we stand? If we could just right our wrongs, we wouldn't need two songs.
2: We don't need another publicity parade. So we'll just stay inside until it's time to play the game. Whatever happened to the funds that were promised? All of a sudden we got a collapsed pocket? The bottom line should not be the net profit. You can't open your heart when it's controlled by your wallet. Decals and patches? Fireworks and trumpets? We're not puppets. Don't publicize false budgets. Ask the pundits and we shouldn't have a say. If you speak up for change, then I'll shut up and play. If we remain silent, that would just be selfish. Since they don't have a voice, we're speaking up for the helpless. It's not enough to act like you care for the troops. Millions for pregame patriotism. You get paid to salute. Lift every voice and sing. It's just a way to save face.
3: Lose the mask and stop hiding the real game face. So if my dad was a soldier, but the cops killed my brother, do I stand for one anthem and then kneel for the other? This attempt to unify only creates more divide. So we'll skip this song and dance. And as a team, we'll stay inside. We need changed hearts, not just a response to pressure. Enough. No more fluff and empty gestures.
2: We need owners with influence and pockets bigger than ours.
3: To call up officials. Inflict political power. When education is not determined by
2: where we reside. And we have the means to purchase what the doctor prescribed. And you fight for prison reform and innocent lives. And you repair the communities that were tossed to the
4: side.
3: And you admit you gained from it and you swallowed your pride.
4: And when greed is not the compass, but love
3: is the guide. And when the courts don't punish skin color, but punish the crime.
2: Until then, we'll just skip the long production and stay inside.
3: For centuries, we've been trying to make you aware. Either you're in denial or just simply don't really care. It's not a black-white thing or a left-right thing. Let's clean the whole bird and stop arguing about which wing.
0: It should also be noted, as Jay Will pointed out when he tweeted that out, the Miami Dolphins players will stay inside for both national anthems for week one. They expressed their discontentment with what they call, quote, fluff and empty gestures by the NFL, Sarah.
1: And there was an ending to that that must have gotten clipped, um, and and it was pretty powerful from from the coach of the Miami Dolphins, uh, Brian Flores. And he said, uh, and I won't remember the exact rhyme because they impressively did that in poem form, something to the effect of, so when they ask you what we have to say, we've already said it all, you know, we'll be inside. And it was basically – Don't ask us about this. Don't expect us to explain it to you. Don't act like you don't know what our statement is and our our sentiments are. We just laid them all out for you.
0: I think one of the most powerful things about it is the timing of the release of it because what the Dolphins have done is they've reminded everybody... In a very clear way of what they're passionate about and the conversation they want to have happen. And, and it really hits me when I hear it, Sarah, because so much was made of, for example, the beginning of the bubble and the statements on jerseys and the Black Lives Matters being written on the court. But now we don't hear about it at all. It's already become something people are used to looking at. And as a result, I don't know that it resonates at the same way. So the Dolphins come out today on the beginning of the season and say, hey. Hell or high water, this message is going to resonate, and we're going to make sure that you hear us, even if it makes you uncomfortable. And I, I, I can't give enough praise to them for the timing and the execution of what they put out, because today, by doing it this way, they've truly been heard.
1: And you have to wonder with the Texans and the Chiefs. I presume they had a conversation with each with within those locker rooms about what they planned to do tonight. I don't know if this puts any pressure on them to do something more or different than what they already had anticipated. If I saw that from the Dolphins and I felt like my teammates or my coaches or the front office wasn't supporting me in the lengths that I wanted to go to to make sure my voice was heard and my stance was known, this might give me another little nudge to say, hey, we need to do more.
0: And that's going to be the interesting part of it because uh, so many people talk about escapism and what sports are here for. And I've acknowledged this before. I'll acknowledge it again. I think in our first iteration working together – I was all, I was the one that always came into this show and said, what about escapism? And I, if there's anything we've learned in 2020 is that escapism doesn't exist if you're living uh, in reality right now. And if, if you're looking at what's happening in the world, uh, if you're black in America, there is no escapism for you. And something that I think sports fans are going to have to accept right now today is that if you're looking for sports for escapism, it's not going to happen. And that's why I think it was an incredibly powerful message when they – uh, when they talked about not essentially just shutting up and playing until people will stand up with them. And, you know, yeah. we can't we can't continue to ask athletes to do what we want until they're also being heard. And, and that's part of the message I think has been really lost by a lot of people.
1: Well, and two things, fits. and it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio. That's part of what Ryan Clark's video was, and I do urge everyone to go watch the full thing, was essentially what we do on the field and the court doesn't protect us from – the inevitable of what happens to us off of it. So quit trying to act like we are able to compartmentalize or make it all about sports, because whatever we do there doesn't make you see us any differently. And then in the Dolphins video, there's no NFL logo. The Dolphins themselves did not tweet that from their account. Again, that was Jay Williams. I don't know if he has a friend or or somebody there that sent it to him and asked him to be the one to send it out. But you know, th- that's important to me that this doesn't seem to be done within the confines of that team or that league. It probably was something that those players and that coach decided to do independently. And also pointing out specifically that the NFL's promised money did not materialize is, is a big part of that to me.
0: ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with with Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Quoting by all online at Progressive.com. You're so right, Sarah. There's going to be questions that will need to be answered by the league about what happened to the promises. In the meantime, we'll talk to somebody that knows better than most. We'll talk to a current NFL player for the Bears next on Spain & Fitz.
1: Spain & Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We've got a ghost in the studio, and we've got problems with our Sirius XM, but we are... Powering through, Fitz. It's been a day, and,
0: Sarah. I mean, It's been, this is...
1: it's been a day. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Uh, and it is still NFL's opening night. We're super excited to welcome in a player from my team, the Chicago Bears, here on the Shelpenzo Performance Line to talk about his expectations for the season and their upcoming weekend. It's offensive lineman Charles Leno, Jr., friend of the show, friend of the show, I'd say. Charles, thanks for uh, joining us again. No problem.
3: Thanks for having me guys
1: Let's start with yeah. I listen, I accept guys as a as a ladies and gentlemen kind of thing. I'm I'm down with that. Um let you never know. That's right, that's right. You gotta be careful. Um let's talk about Mitchell Trubisky getting the nod um, as an offensive lineman. How was it for you uh during all of training camp and practices sort of adjusting to both quarterbacks and then, you know, being ready for whoever got the nod to be supportive and, and work with them?
3: Uh, it was it was different, but you know, for my short seven-year career, I dealt with a lot of different quarterbacks, so it wasn't really rough for me, honestly.
1: Unfortunately, yeah.
0: Well, that yeah. Been, I mean, in seven, your, your career, you've never had to deal with, obviously, what we've dealt with getting ready for a season this year. How different has it been trying to figure out how to navigate the COVID situation while you guys try to get ready to play a game?
3: Yeah, the biggest thing is just, you know, trying to adapt and adjust to whatever's thrown at you. Like, they're all different types of things. Like, we had that, you know, scare with the lab that kind of threw us all off for one day. But, you know, we all, you know, got it together and adjusted through that. So, it, you never know what can happen any given day. You just got to figure out how to, uh, you know, adjust on the fly. That's really what it comes down to.
1: You're on the offensive side, so you're biased, but I'm curious if in practice you can tell whether any particular positions or phases of the game are, are, are weakened more or affected more by the fact that there's no preseason, that there isn't that ease of, of practicing with other teams, and that maybe there was just a, a different offseason program. Does it seem to affect any one group more than another?
3: I'm not really sure, but you also got to look at just an offensive line standpoint. We're five guys got to work together, and that adjustment period, um, you know, throughout OTAs and things like that helps a lot. You know, just getting calls in and you know just working together with footwork and all different types of things. Not stepping on each other—that's a big deal. Uh, Without that period, that took out a lot. And this, I think, the biggest adjustment honestly doesn't come with a particular group. It actually just comes down to the rookies and the guys who are just making the team, you know, trying to make the team. Those guys didn't have, a, a you know, that period where they can learn the playbook and adjust. They just, like, kind of thrown in there and fired. They had to just, you know, perform well and go.
0: So walk me through what the beginning of the season is going to look like for you guys. You go into a game, you're used to having a certain set of practices, maybe some preseason action, at least some moment. You come straight into this thing as a team a little cold. So, like, what is it like in that moment when you realize that, hey, this is it and it counts right now? How do you adjust to that?
3: Well, I think we have a brilliant head coach in Matt Nagy who sat us out last year for the whole preseason, so I think he knew (laughs) COVID-19 was happening, and he ended up, you know, he just just saw this coming, so, you know, we didn't do it last year, so it's going to work for us this year. We're we're already prepared for it, I, I believe.
1: That was a nice way to put that, Charles, even though he came out after the fact and said, yeah, that was wrong. I'm definitely going to play them for all the preseason next year, and then now there isn't one. Uh, Bears oh, offensive lineman Charles Leno Jr. with us here on Spain and Fitz uh, on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. you got a new offensive coordinator. There, There is a, a fair amount of continuity on this team, especially with Mitch earning that job, um, but there are some changes. What's it been like and how's it been different uh, with, with Laser?
3: Um, I wouldn't say it has made much different. Laser just, you know, he stepped in and he kind of he's doing his role well. The biggest adjustment was for me was our new offensive line coach Juan Castillo. Um, He's like I said before in the interview, asked talking about Juan. The number one thing I learned about Juan is he loves his Corona, so I have to give a <laughs> shout out to him about that. <laughs> I, the beer, I, I presume, about, and not
1: the disease.
3: Uh, Right. right. Excuse. yeah It's, it's yes. important distinction, Absolutely. Charles. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Important. Very important. I, I apologize. <laughs> I have to distinguish the two there. Um, but no, he's a really good. He's really about fundamentals and you know making sure footwork and hand placement, all these different things that you know is critical to offensive line play. He focuses really hard on, and um, he's been doing a good job with that. Um, I haven't spoke to Bill much. I mean, we clearly we see him, and he goes over the office of you know installs and all different types of stuff. But for the most part, I've been you know they try to separate it so much that I've been hanging out with my office line coach more than any coaches on the offense side of the ball.
0: I always find that interesting. We're talking to Bears offensive lineman Charles Leno, Jr., Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. And Charles, uh, Sarah and I both work all the time with Mike Golick, Jr., and he's a former offensive lineman. And he always Mm -hmm. talks about how important that particular spot is when you talk about the coach for the offensive line. But it's curious to me because you've been playing this way forever. You've been an offensive lineman forever. So when you find a new coach positionally, like what are you looking for in the beginning that really sinks you in and and draws you into him?
3: Uh. Having five coaches in seven years at that position, at my <laughs> position so far, uh, I would say you know the first thing is the first thing that you it comes down to is trust. Um, the players have to feel the trust from the coach, and you got to believe what the coach is saying. And I think those two things, belief and trust, go hand in hand. Um, before any or before anything on the field, those things come first. Because if you don't have that with the coach, then I don't think it's going to be successful. So that's where it stands.
1: Charles Leno Jr. with us. One of the few remaining parts of the Bears team for a long time running. Uh, As the parts around him continue to change, she stays the same. Uh, one of the things you mentioned, those rookies, I- I'm curious because I was watching hard knocks as they tried to navigate the masks. And one of the most interesting things to me was the idea that these rookies are trying to read their teammates. They don't know if they're la- laughing when they make a joke or smiling at them or hate them. What's that been like? Just trying to get to know the personalities of new teammates and rookies uh, with half your face covered.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think the. I think the best time to do that is on the practice field when we got our face masks on. You can kind of see some expressions. But for me, I kind of give off a, you know, never really know what, you know, unpredictable vibe, I would say. So I'm always giving the rookies crap, but then I'm also blessed. I'm also, you know, telling them, you know, how to get better and what what to work on and things like that. So being a vet, you always got to give the rookies, you know, uh, an unpredictable vibe because (laughs) – Sometimes you want to, you know, pat them on the back, but then other times you want them to go send them and get you some Gatorades or some food or something like that for the meeting rooms.
0: I mean, let's be real, though. Like, it's the worst when you're even in the grocery store and somebody's wearing a mask trying to communicate with you. You can't understand anything they're saying. It goes back and forth. It gets worse. Like, is there trash talking that goes on that you just look at it and shrug your shoulders and say, yeah, you got a mask on. I can't understand you at all.
3: Yeah. I, I just try to look at their eyes. If they're looking at me, then I'm pretty sure it's serious. If they're not, then I just <laughs> take it as, all right, whatever. on to the next play.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there you go. It's Spain and Fitz, Air Spain, Jason Fitz. You know, we were just talking about a video that the Dolphins released um, via Jay Williams uh, of ESPN, not via their own social channels, uh, saying that they will be in the, in the locker room for the Anthems this coming weekend, and calling out the NFL for what they consider empty promises, for what they consider sort of soft stances and, and sayings and statements that don't mean much. Uh, I have to ask, you know, the Bears in the locker room, and as you prepare for this weekend, are there expectations to make a statement as a team?
3: Uh, I would say we're working on that right now. Um, Our statement will be seen, you know, once we get out there. I don't want to, you know, spill anything what we're working on, so I'll just go ahead and leave it at that. But I 100% agree. Um, Back in, you know, I forget how many years ago, was it three years ago when this was going down, um, we were told as players that – you know, we have to, we, we can't be with our brother at, at, in Kaepernick. Like, uh, a lot of players felt a certain type of way when we were told, you know, forcefully, like, there will be punishment, basically, without saying it, if we do take a stand. And now that we're here, we just want to see some change uh, coming from our side of the ball, uh, coming from their side of the ball, because we know we want to stand with our with our former brother Kaepernick and the, the stance that he took uh, for police brutality and social injustice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a pretty big story across tonight and the rest of the weekend. Charles, good luck. Bring me only joy for the season. I need something to be happy about <laughs> on my Sundays. Get out there, protect that Maserati Mitch, and let's see some good stuff out of this team, okay? Good talk, Absolutely. Good talk. I good appreciate talk.
3: you guys for having me. Th- yeah. You guys and gals for having me. <laughs> guys
1: and gals. <laughs> Don't you, worry, person, Charles, I do the
0: same thing all the time. Friend of
1: the show. Thank you, Charles, appreciate it.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Bears offensive lineman Charles Leto Jr. with us on Spain and Fitz. Penzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the penzoil based on sequence for a wear test using SAE 5W30. Coming up, Dak Prescott addressed some very serious issues today. We'll get into what he said and how others reacted coming up next on ESPN Radio. There's been a massive change in the way we engage um, our athletes in conversations about their mental health. And yet there are still... Some people clinging to the toxic masculinity, the idea of toughness, the old school approach to rub some dirt on it, don't let him see you cry and don't talk about your feelings. That got so many people in dark places in the past and bringing their troubles and their worries and their fears to light is such a freeing thing for so many people that we encourage and applaud every time a professional athlete is willing to bravely come forward and talk about their struggles, whether that's Paul George in the bubble or it's Kevin Love having a panic attack mid-game or an NWSL player during their tournament this summer who literally had to leave a game because of a panic attack. And yet there are still some that haven't caught up. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And it's time for some Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Straight Talk is exactly what Dak Prescott brought to the podium today. Um, Well, actually, it was on in-depth with Graham Bensinger talking about um, the suicide of his brother and how deeply that's affected him and how he wants to make sure he's in the right place to be a leader for the rest of his guys. Here's a little bit of what he said.
3: It showed me of how vulnerable we have to be as humans, how open we have to be, um, because our adversity, our struggles, what we go through um, is always going to be too much for ourselves and maybe too much for even one or two people, but never, never too much. Um, for a community, or never too much for for the people and the family that you love. So we have to share those things.
1: Uh, He went on to talk about his brother.
3: It's crazy, all throughout this this quarantine and this off season, I started experiencing emotions I've never felt before, Um, anxiety for the main one. And then, honestly, a couple of days before my brother passed, I would say I started experiencing depression. Didn't know necessarily what I was going through, Uh, to to say the least, Um, and hadn't been sleeping at all.
1: So Fitz, you know, this is something that a lot of people have talked about, this this very unique situation we're in is bringing up for some people low-level depression and for some people full-blown depression and anxiety, the likes of which they haven't faced before. For him to come forward and talk about it and to address what happened with his brother, to me, is such a clear sign of a tremendously strong and brave person and yet there are still those, and I don't want to even name names because the conversation shouldn't be about them. It should be about Dak, um, who criticize and and assert some, some sort of weakness and attribute a lack of leadership here. And that's so dangerous and damaging to people who are struggling.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, dangerous is a really smart way to say it, Sarah. And, and it's dangerous to me because it is such a struggle for so many people and a struggle that's been kept in the dark for so long. And, you know, I've been transparent with you and and everyone that's ever listened to the show about the mental health issues that run through my family and stuff that, that, that we've all dealt with in my family I've dealt with and in my own personal experience the most incredible thing is that when you come out and talk about these things openly the number of people that actually you find that not only do you relate better to that find the moment to be incredibly human relatable but also respect it I mean I think to lay out your vulnerability is something that society respects more than people realize especially in the new society that we live in, and especially in younger generations. So, whereas some people are just plain and simply idiotic in the way that they've talked about what this does to his leadership. I think it does the exact opposite because all I can speak to is my personal experience around it and the willingness to talk about what it's like to be in a dark place and the willingness to talk about all of that is something that gets received with a true moment of like, okay, you are real now and I can respect that you're real and I can also understand you better. And that's what everything, whether it's in a locker room or whether you're working in a team environment, it's about understanding the people you work with and getting a real relationship and a bond with them. And if somebody has a wall up about what they're going through emotionally, you can't have that. So uh, for anybody to come in and, and question what his leadership is like because of what he's gone through from mental health issues is somebody that, A, is on the wrong side of the age bracket typically to this conversation, but B, is also somebody that is just dug in to not have an understanding because uh, there, there's such a human element to it.
1: Yeah, and that's that's one of the concerns, I think, is this idea that it's somehow more powerful to deny the existence of problems. And, you know, Kareth Burke, who's a great sports reporter, uh, mostly covers the Warriors, uh, said, what continues to bother me hours later is knowing how many people like uh, that reporter shape sports culture, how many coaches, ADs, front office folks, players and fans hold the same beliefs about weakness or leadership. The scaffolding around sports is broken. The status quo is wrong. That's so powerful to me because Dak even came out and said, you know, people might criticize me for being sensitive here, but I think it's huge to talk. It's huge to get help and it saves lives. You hear him say that and your response is he's the quarterback of America's team. I don't have any sympathy for him. That perspective is so lost and fits, I think, especially understanding the extra and added pressure that's on these athletes playing during a pandemic and being asked to go to their job and be faced with testing every day and reminders at every turn that there is this very severe illness and the long-term effects of it are unknown is more mental health stress. So we can anticipate more guys needing to reach out and ask for help and be honest and transparent. Responding like that serves no one and With everybody that's coming forward and now supporting Dak, I hope the majority of other players see that they'll be able to get help if they need it. Because, man, there's a lot going on in 2020, not to mention adding on the pressure of trying to succeed as a football player.
0: Well, and when you start talking about, you know, he's the quarterback of America's team, it forgets the most important part of mental health, which is that. Money and status don't affect it. I mean, if you have, if you are battling depression or anxiety issues, that that that's real, and in many cases, that's chemical and. Uh, through all of it, it's something that you have to be open and willing to discuss and and be heard on. And if we suddenly create this situation where somebody, because they make money or because they have a great job or because they're living a dream life in the eyes of many, suddenly can't have real emotional issues, that's a dark dark spot to get to for everybody that struggles. And I, I well, look at and, and
1: also fits really quickly. I think. Your point is a valid one because a lot of people do claim that, you know, rich and famous people can't can't be uh, struggling with mental health. But even more so, I think that this reporter's point was not that he couldn't be suffering from it, but instead he's not allowed to because he needs to go out and be the quarterback of America's team, which, again, removes the humanity from the person,
0: which is, is so incredibly like to me. This is very simple. When Dak Prescott, the quarterback of America's team, stands up and talks openly about mental health issues. Every little kid that is a fan of America's team and a fan of that that man as a quarterback can look at it and say, wait, 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 wait. It's okay to talk about these things. It's okay for me to acknowledge that I'm I'm feeling down. It's okay for me to acknowledge that there's something wrong that I can't get a grasp on. And that's, that's powerful. And that's why it's so important to embrace the other side of it. The, the fact that he's the quarterback of America's team should allow him to have even more platform to talk about mm-hmm. these things that hurt his heart because that's the only way that we can actually start to to break down the barriers that are even perceived from a very young age about mental health. And I'll always go back to like my own uh, life experience. When I was a kid, I think I would have had a much better understanding of my family and my brother and my mother if I had known at the time or had the, the capability Capability At the time to understand what mental health is and and why mental health can cause struggles. So for DAC to be sort of closed off by anybody in this moment, it loses some of the power that I think the moment could and should have.
1: Yeah. And thankfully, like I said, plenty of people are coming out and speaking. Our own L. Duncan, who's so honest and brave and sharing things that help other people, said after my boyfriend killed himself, I listened to people call me strong for putting on a happy face and sucking it up while knowing that i'd drive over bridges and talk myself out of driving off them asking for help save my life and Dak's openness could save someone else's the idea that your character of being a tough guy who knows how to tell people they can win at football by just sucking it up and being tough is more important to you than your humanity and empathy is a grave issue and should be addressed by anyone who wants to take at, uh, after Dak for, for being honest today. So Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz hanging out with you. We'll get you ready for Chiefs-Texans as we take the pulse of both teams. A representative from both teams will get you ready for the first game of the NFL season, which is tonight. Woo-hoo. It's coming up next on ESPN Radio. Get excited. No foreplay this year. Uh, We're just diving right in. Uh, We don't really know what to expect. Uh, We didn't get any preseason games to make fun of, but obsessively watch. So we're jumping right in. Texans Chiefs about to get going. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and we're brought to you by My Computer Career, training for a better life. Uh, Fitz, I want to get into what we talked about a little earlier in the show with the Miami Dolphins in that video, because as we are looking at all sorts of weird and unprecedented things in this season, uh, we're also likely to see some pretty strong and powerful statements from players uh, who have been watching as the WNBA, the NBA, baseball, even some hockey teams have taken stances. And the NFL is certainly not going to shy away from it it was interesting to hear Bamani Jones uh, this morning. The Levitard show has a couple different digital only hours that are definitely worth your time, but especially when Bamani and Dan just chop it up for 30 or 40 minutes. And uh, this that, that, that Bamani said this morning on the big suey hour of the Levitard show about Jerry Jones and when people talk about football fans not wanting protests, what they're really saying blew my mind.
2: If you ever go to a tailgate at at and Stadium, it's the broadest cross-section of America that you're going to see anywhere in sports. You're going to see more people and more walks of life and more colors and everything else. It looks more like America outside that stadium than it looks outside any other stadium that you're going to find on any level. And Jerry just keeps on saying, our fans don't want this. And just come out and say you're talking about white folks and call it a day. Like, like, And no, again, this is a problem with the larger industry, though, because the larger industry assumes that fans are white. Like, when you ask people to talk about what the fans want, they always think of and imagine white people.
1: Like, it's so obvious, but I've just never really thought about it that way. And it's so true. The number of African-American fans who have said, the way you treated Kaepernick makes me want to step away is is probably as many as any white fans who say I'm not watching anymore. And, and on each side, there's probably some that showed up anyway because it's the NFL and it's a drug that we're all addicted to. But, man, does that really stand out when Bamani says it that way.
0: Yeah, it resonates. And as usual, Bamani, who's just flat out smarter than most of the world, uh, says something so simple and so perfect that that resonates because of the truth behind it. We don't think about it. We we do use the word they all the time when we're talking about uh, football fans. And what we're really saying with they is, frankly, white football fans and how are white conservative oftentimes football fans going to uh, react to different things and it would be an interesting pie chart i'm not smart enough to have it to look at what type of d- d- cross-section there is i mean what fans are from what backgrounds and what fans are from at et- what which ethnic i can't say the word ethnicities, thank yeah. you uh i'll just let you take the tough words for the rest yeah. of the night it's a uh, couple uh, syllables we don't yeah, expect much yeah, out of you just one or two that's all i can do <laughs> uh, but but the general thought of what does it look like if you went to to bomani's point if you went to, to To watch a Cowboys game, and you just walked around outside the stadium beforehand. What does it look like? And I think that's a really interesting question that people need to remind themselves, because, uh, frankly, what we can what we perceive fandom to be is not actually true here. Like there is a very diverse group of Cowboys fans all over the place that are all over the place on this issue.
1: Well, and one thing he also pointed out is that if you look across the stands and try to use that as the indicator, you're not looking at socioeconomic equality right the fans that can afford to go to the game are not all the fans and many of the fans that are staying home might be people of color who feel just as strongly in support of the players uh the other thing and and by the way this this game's just getting going uh and right now what we're seeing is chiefs mostly standing some are kneeling with fists raised um the performance involves uh, T-shirts that have George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, it looks like. Um, so certainly um, some recognition of, of the social and civil unrest that's going on in the country as, as they get into this game. Uh, something else that Bamani and Dan talked about that, again, it frustrates me how simple sometimes it is and how my brain doesn't flip and hear it that way, was the arrogance combined with the insecurity of owners who somehow make it seem like they don't have the power and influence to take a stand.
2: And I just don't know how these owners are at once so arrogant as to believe all the things about themselves that they do, but also so insecure that they don't believe that their teams can withstand somebody doing this.
3: That part has been amazing to watch guys who have legitimately most, you know, top 5% power in the United States, right? They are powerful people to have
0: power, to have F money, and to still be scared. To still be yes. scared, like it shows such a remarkable cowardice in
2: a sport where you would never abide cowardice from any of your employees. Whew.
1: That hurts at the end there, right? Yeah. Be a Tough guy. Go out there and get hit. But meanwhile, I'm going to stand up here with all my money and influence and power and say, I'm so worried what people might think.
0: And that's one of the things that I think, you know, I, I want to be careful and not lump all owners in together because some have, have been willing to stand up, but many haven't. And largely a lot of this conversation seems to revolve around the Cowboys because we haven't heard much about it but you, it, it is so true you know the whole scared money don't make money thing like there is a a cost analysis for every single person but then you have to look at it and say okay but but what do, what is what i care about matter and, and and how do i balance that and where is the opportunity there i mean that that's so much of the the conversation has to be about all of those sides of it and these are smart business people that are acting scared and that doesn't make any sense to me
1: Well, and at the very least, you'd hope that people would want to do better because the makeup of the teams that they own and the guys that they work with should inspire them to care about the equality and treatment of those guys. But if it's about money, then also a good reason, right? The center is moving in this country. The reaction to Black Lives Matter and equality protests has changed significantly since even a couple years ago. And if you're still trotting out the same, I don't know what people will think of this, it doesn't fly anymore. Didn't fly then, really, but now it looks especially bad. And I think it's going to be something that we see across this weekend. Jerry Jones and others have to really address. You're not going to be able to hide like maybe you had in the past. And we saw that right out with that Dolphins video. It'll be interesting to see how the other teams react. Coming up, former NFL GM Randy Mueller is going to give us an AFC preview.
0: And we're going to head straight to the Shell Penzo performance night because we've got a lot to get into. Last night we previewed the NFC. Tonight we figured with a huge AFC matchup we'd go ahead and preview the AFC. And to do that we're going to get some help from former NFL GM Randy Mueller. You can check out the Football GM podcast on The Athletic. Uh, Randy, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Hope you and yours are safe first and foremost. So, you know, Sarah's been giving me a little flack tonight because I've just already handed the Lombardi to the Chiefs. So when you look at the AFC, uh, can you find really a compelling second Best team or a team that you think can give the Chiefs a great run for their money this year?
4: Well, I've been saying all along that the teams with the veteran staff, the veteran uh, group of players are going to be out the gate better. So they're going to start better. And I mean, I-, I hate to, you know, just jump on the bandwagon with everybody else, but 20 starters back and about as stable of a staff as I've seen, Kansas City is, you know, hands down for me right now, at least the favorites. I-, I-, I I say that and I think the Ravens are going to be in the mix. I actually think the Steelers might be in the mix. But the AFC South with Tennessee, Indy, and Houston all, they're all going to have something to say about it. Um, I think the changeup of quarterbacks around the league is what has got us all our attention anyway. You know, Roethlisberger coming back, Philip Rivers in Indianapolis, um, New England with Cam Newton. I think those are going to be the storylines, that's for sure
1: so hard for anyone trying to analyze without preseason games and, and too many look-ins at practice, but do you see a particular group or, or, or phase of the game that might struggle the most coming out of the blocks because of the weird offseason?
4: Well, I think, Sarah's defense is going to be behind. Um, I think that lack of tackling, and, and in normal years, coaches are afraid to tackle. I think they're really afraid to tackle this year. They haven't had that many padded practices, to be honest with you. So I think that tackling is going to be shaky. Um, But I think overall the running games are going to be hard to simulate because running games are up. It's a nine-on-seven. It's a pad level. It's a physicality to develop that running game, and teams just haven't done that yet. You don't get a chance to pull and lead with your pads and knock people back and time out running as far as running backs breaking off of blocks. I just think those elements are going to be missing as well. So I think it's going to be kind of fun to watch. It may not be the prettiest, but I think you're going to see offenses that fly high, produce, and uh, you know, maybe the Arizona Cardinals or teams like Kansas City, like Houston that we're seeing tonight. Those wide-open approaches, I think, are going to, are going to uh, be uh, the flavor of the month, at least this first month of the season.
0: We're talking to former NFL GM Randy Mueller on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. So uh, walk me through the AFC East because obviously the weapons in Buffalo seem like they're going to be great. There's been a lot of questions about the quarterback play there, but do you think that they can come out of that division as the favorite? Well, I think they should. They've held things together there. They made the playoffs last year. You'd have to think
4: Josh Allen is a year, you know, further down the road of learning his trade under the same coach, the same staff, the same coordinator. But I'll I'll tell you, I really am intrigued by what Cam Newton is going to do in New England. I think they cannot wait to run some of the stuff offensively, and that's Josh McDaniel, run some of the stuff that Cam runs. I think that division alone is going to be fascinating. I'm not writing off Miami. I know they don't get much uh, attention when it comes to favorites in that league, but they spent some money this offseason now. They went out and acquired some players in free agency where a lot of teams didn't, and uh, I think if they can keep fit, you know the 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 uh, quarterback healthy. I think they have a chance to make some hay too. Now they're going to start at New England this weekend, and that's going to be a hard row for them. But I think that's a good division. I wouldn't sleep on New England, and I definitely wouldn't sleep on Miami. But I think you're right. Going in, Buffalo is probably the favorite just based on last year.
1: Uh, based on your take about defenses being slow, a six-play, 65-yard touchdown drive for the Chiefs as this one. Uh... Uh, under review. Okay. All right. So keeping it an it eye, looks, eye. It looks on like he may he have bobbled the ball. He
0: may have bobbled the ball. act
1: of the catch and all the other things. Uh, Randy Mueller with us here on Spain and Fitz. Let's go to the AFC West. Uh, you know, that's uh, you know we're looking at the top of it right now. Do you expect anything much out of the other teams? Especially, I don't know the one that Fitz uh, owes all of his, his life, uh, firstborn and everything to the Raiders. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, I think that I think that division is taking a hit recently in that von miller with denver who uh, i think if healthy one of the best players in the league him being out doesn't help denver that's for sure i think they're going to have to scheme their way defensively and with the rookie quarterback um that's a struggle to take it even one step further they're starting he's he's not a rookie quarterback but you know what i mean he's a young guy they're starting a rookie center that i think is going to be um, in for all he's got the first few weeks of the year. With things happening fast, a rookie center to me is your communicator. He's the guy that the Broncos have to get in the right protections and make the right calls. I just think they're so young, that's going to be a struggle. The Raiders, to get back to fifth, you know, favorite love, um, <laughs> there's just been something missing. I'm, I'm trying to think of the right words. Gruden's third year, mixed results at best so far. They struggled last year to score from anything outside 20 and 30 yards, which should make Al Davis roll over, right? I mean, he <laughs> wants the big plays. They, they took it to heart. They drafted the rugs kid in the first round. You know, he's going to give them some explosive plays, the four two seven. 7 But I keep going back to the pressure that Gruden wanted to put on Derek Carr. And now with Mariota being out, I'll give you this, and Fitz, you may not want to hear this, but in the last 50 years, there's been only two quarterbacks that have been starters at one spot where their team has lost nine games for five years. And Derek Carr is one of those. They've lost nine games in five different years as him as a starter. (laughs) I know. So that's a hard one. That's only happened one other time in 50 years. So something's got to get Derek Carr going. Something's got to get, you know, their offense off of these long play drives. They're going to have to find ways to score. Obviously, like I said, the, the receiver helps them. But John Gruden's offense has been very average, to be honest with you. So they've got to find a way to open things up, to spread the field, to get bigger plays. And then on defense, they've got to get some more turnovers. They just didn't get enough possessions last year. And they've got to find a way to do that with turnovers. Max Crosby led them, you know, with 10 sacks a year ago. They've just got to find a way to get possessions
0: and shorter fields to work with. Well, uh, look, Randy, I don't disagree with anything you just said. That's why I drink. I mean, <laughs> if they could if they could fix all of these things, you know how much less money I would spend every Sunday on alcohol? Yeah. Good Lord. Uh, I hear you. <laughs> we're talking to former NFL GM Randy Mueller. So, Randy, you mentioned earlier that the Steelers are a team that you're hot on. So uh, are they your favorite then for their division?
4: Well, I, I don't know how you can go against the Ravens. I just think the Ravens present some uh, some opportunities and some – discomforts for defenses based on the quarterback you know he can do so many things I think he'll be better this year but I do think those two teams will be fighting for it Um, obviously Ben's the intrigue with his health if he can stay healthy but the Steelers are a team that have been together a long time their defense is in my opinion elite that's that's not in question but if Ben can be healthy it'll be between the Ravens and the Steelers for sure
1: yeah, I'm just so fascinated to see the next steps and what it looks like for Lamar Jackson and the way that teams react yeah. to him, knowing a little bit more about him. What do we have left now? AFC? We went through all of them, I think. We we got them all. We got them all. All right. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's let you leave then with with a question for you. Are you looking at anything besides continuity when you're trying to figure out the teams that you made your picks on when you're making those those guesses and predictions?
4: Well, I think, like I said, the high flying offenses are going to rule the league. I think. You know, When looking at that kind of stuff, I think the overs are going to be in play. There's no doubt about that. Now, I think Vegas will adjust those lines, but I think there's going to be a lot of points. I think defenses are going to be behind, and the only defense that can really combat these high-flying offenses are if they blitz. Well, guess what? When you blitz, you're weakening yourself somewhere else, and you're going to allow more big plays. So I think it's going to be exciting. Like I said, it may not be the quality we're used to seeing right out of the gate because we have had no preseason, but I think the overs – and big plays are going to run the day this first month of the season.
0: You guys can check out the Football GM podcast on The Athletic. Randy Mueller, we really appreciate your time and your insight, my friend. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Anytime, guys. Uh, by the way, the touchdown was overturned for Kansas City. The receiver wow. did not maintain control of the ball. Uh, like He bobbled right. it at the end. Yes, I, I was right.
1: It's not just going to be easy for him.
0: And oh, and then the Texans got a big sack. So they, you know, went from six on the board to all of a sudden it looks like the Chiefs are going to have to punt. So there we go. You know, this is still a game. We thought it was going to be early blowout. Now it's still a game. I don't know. I don't, know. don't forget to listen to ESPN over audio.
1: Overreaction Thursday is in full effect. Mere minutes into
0: the game. Uh, one drive in the the Chiefs are undefeated. It's the next over. drive in the it's Texans over. defense is going to manage to stop them. Yeah, this is where we are now. Uh, Don't forget to listen to ESPN Audio at Home with your smart speaker. ESPN Audio at Home brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van. Find out how far an extra mile really goes from customization and service to financial assistance. Mercedes-Benz Vans are ready for anything. We're ready for anything in this game. But there is one thing not enough people are talking about that could make an impact to every single NFL game that you're going to watch this weekend. We'll tell you what it is next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's Home Quote Explorer, changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. Sarah, this music gets me so fired. You know why this music gets me so fired up? Because I remember so many years of my life as a fan sitting back and knowing that you were watching NFL Prime Time when you could see this. And it was rare that I would want to sit. Like, I wasn't watching primetime if my beloved Raiders lost. But if they won, I was watching. Oh, yeah. I was watching just to hear Berman make the call while I watched the highlight of the game I already saw. But I wanted to watch the highlight with this music underneath it, so I associate this music with the rare times that my beloved Raiders won football games. Yeah.
1: Well, you can't hear this music and not think of the Raider.
0: Well, I mean, I'm just, you know, like I said, the key is that you never watch primetime when you know your favorite team's going to lose. So, you it's know. Terrible
1: like, Chris Berman impression uh, I just did, by the way. I appreciate you just moving past you it. You know
0: what? It's love and support on the opening night. <laughs> like, everything for the next couple of days for me is going to be all rosy until about. I'm going to hold you to that we're building i mean i think like 405 on sunday the world's going to know one way or the other like either i am going to be irrationally excited or everything's going to have gone to hell in a handbasket and it's going to be a very dark very dark place on monday for me like that there's no in between for the raiders they open against the panthers this weekend that's a game they should win in my mind so if they don't win the entire season is lost and i don't know why i still root for them that that, that seems <laughs> rational right
1: Absolutely, I would expect nothing else from you <laughs> well that that's fair
0: uh, by the way, the game going on right now is still tied nothing to nothing. The Texans had a quick uh, quick opening drive, didn't go anywhere. They looked really out of sync. Then the Chiefs looked like they were going to score a touchdown. It was overturned. They, they they punt. The Texans now moving the ball. So suddenly the Texans are clearly the best team in the entire NFL, <laughs> and the Chiefs are, are having the Let's championship. Let's at least wait until
1: Monday so we can get a full slate of games to have our <sighs> irrational and totally unproven uh, theories on things.
0: Oh, that's uh, – I I'm keeping
1: an eye on, though, beyond you know the obvious of how do the players look after this weird offseason and everything else. Is the officiating because I don't think we've talked about it nearly enough. It's um, the number of officials that are sitting out. There are 11 new officials among 117. They had no in person clinics, no preseason games. And, um, you know, Mike Pereira, who's now o- over at Fox, but obviously former director of the officials, is expecting a massive challenge. Just Zoom preparation, he does not think is going to be enough. And, It's just going to be, uh, uh, I think, something that we're going to have a lot of arguments about. It's going to be good content for us because there's going to be some bad calls.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, think about in the past when we've seen uh, lockouts from the officiating and any sort of uh, moment where there's massive changeover in officiating it, it creates a real conversation and there's a nuanced conversation to it because officials aren't just something that you can certainly you know, pluck out of the air and say, well, this guy's going to be great. Like, There's a whole process and it's not like there's a, a minor league system over here sitting around full of guys you can call up and girls you can call up. I mean, you're really talking about if somebody struggles, there there's no easy solution. So mm. I've f- fully anticipate, if there's any two things that I anticipate early in the NFL season, one are massive communication issues on the outside. So receivers and corners, I think we're going to see a lot of mistakes. But then I do expect there to be rust from officials. I wonder if the first few weeks, we're used to seeing officials throw a lot of flags in the beginning because they have so much emphasis on certain things and players are sort of less technique rounded early in the season. I wonder if it's going to be the opposite, though. Like, if officials know that they've got to work themselves into game shape, are they going to hold their flag a little bit more and, and sort of give a little bit of leeway as they get their own confidence up? So I wonder if we're going to see less penalties in the beginning, not because there's less fouls, but because there's more more caution from officials.
1: Well, and I think we can all agree that we would prefer to see a game with fewer flags against our own team.
2: And <laughs> right, we <would> right. also
1: <laughs> definitely agree that we would prefer to see a game that is very tightly called against the other team. So I think it's going to work out really
0: well. Uh, that is so stinking. Like it is amazing how every single time you see pass interference, uh, that you believe has happened for your team, right. you are in an outrage. But then every time it gets called, you know... Uh, it, well, and uh, if you
1: actually just get breathed on, it could be considered dangerous at this point. So you could argue that it oh, that's a, interference.
0: You just made the best argument ever for roughing the passer. When that, when that like, get-off-my-lawn guy comes in and says, oh, they barely breathed on him. Well, that should be a bigger yeah, penalty than anything. Not allowed in 2020. You can't breathe on my quarterback. Step back. I mean, uh, there has to be a little bit of the acknowledgement that this season is going to look so strange. I oh. think in the first four to six weeks while everybody figures it out
1: yeah can you imagine also like think about the creepy guys and you we you know names aren't popping to my head right now but the kind of guy that used to research what somebody's wife and kids names were so they could line up across them on that O, O O and d line and and you know how's karen doing you know how what's what's going on with carol right or finding ways to get in their head imagine those guys pulling some weird like uh wet willies or uh you know spitting even you know something really gross that during this time suddenly takes on a whole new level of like you know antagonization
0: Uh, you're a thousand percent right and there have been rare instances in the nfl that have not been well received of players spitting on each other in the past anyway i mean that takes it to a total different level now i mean Mm -hmm. you've really got to think about sort of all of this when you look at the way the game's going to be played early on and and you know yes i believe that if we get an entire NFL season, it will normalize. I just think it's going to take, you know, one to two months. It's going to be four to eight weeks. Like, by midseason, I think we'll have a real idea of where teams are. But I say by midseason, I think if there's any one lesson that really just keeps digging into my head, Sarah, it's that as you look at this season, this season more than ever, like Sunday when I sit down to watch the Raiders play – I'm just going to soak every second in because we get so worried about what's next and whether or not there'll be a full season. This feels like the type of year where you really genuinely have to watch every game. For that moment and let it just be about that Sunday and whatever you get on that Sunday is a spectacular win because we genuinely don't know week to week about whether or not there's a the possibility, obviously, of of uh, forfeitures of teams not being able to play because of covid outbreaks. I mean, there's there's so many variables that you can spin your mind up. You've just got to relax, sit back and enjoy what you get when you get it, because that's all we're going to all we know that we will get.
1: I completely agree. Like, you know, I I saw some people taking a victory lap today on Twitter this afternoon. Everybody told the NFL to delay the draft. Everyone told the NFL not to get into free agency, not to get into camp, not to try to play. Well, they were wrong. Oh, for three. Or, you know, congratulations, the NFL. No one thought they could do it. They haven't done anything yet. We're just a couple minutes into the first quarter. I don't want to be negative about it. I just want to be enthusiastic and grateful for what we are getting on the off chance that it's all we get. Because there was an interesting conversation in Peter King's whatever it's called. What is it? uh, Monday Night Football Morning in America, I think, is the new name of his Monday morning quarterback. Talking to Goodell about the expectations. And Goodell said flat out, we might have a season where not every team plays all 16 games. We might have a season where injuries or COVID or otherwise affects the integrity of what a regular season would look like, and we're going to adjust to that. I think it's smart for him to just get out ahead of it. You know, you clearly don't want to get into the position where you're holding strong on we know what's coming if you absolutely don't.
0: Well, what we do know is that the Texans obviously won the DeAndre Hopkins trade at this point because uh, David Johnson just scored a touchdown. Seven. Uh, wow, Texans- Bill O'Brien
1: <laughs> redeemed. Best Bill- coach, best GM. What Somebody slap I- him with a new job, more extension. What
0: have I been saying? You can't trust Andy Reid. You have no idea what he's going to do. Patrick Mahomes is a bit too much of a wild card. Can we talk about how many times last season the Chiefs had a deficit? I mean, you can't trust this team. Oh, my gosh. It's the Texans every game in the playoffs.
1: I want an ISO cam on Bill O'Brien when he just saw David Johnson score the first points of the 2020 season.